Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers. I am your host, Joshua Tracy. And I am Corwin Owen. And welcome to the Monday edition of the show. Uh, it is um, this Sunday as we're recording this at 15 p.m. And that means that the Tampa Bay uh, Boston Red Sox Game 3 ALDS is currently underway. Um, and as it stands right now in a tied series one-to-one, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays are well positioned to take the lead in that series. Um, as they are currently, uh, let me get the score as of right now. Oh, actually, sorry, pardon my French. They are tied four to four. Last I checked, it was four to one. It appears as though whoa, whoa, whoa. the Rays have not uh, been clutched down the stretch with uh, with this um, with this particular matchup. Um. So in the first game of, of this series, the Red Sox got shut out. I think it was like, I don't know, five, nothing, six, nothing, some shit like that. Who cares? And I think they might have even lost six two. They might have gotten some late ending runs. Who gives a shit? They lost the first game by a, a paltry sum of sorts. Who, again, really cares? Mm-hmm. And then it was five, nothing, by the way. Then in game two, we had a shootout where the Red Sox ended up winning 14 to six um, in what was just a, a stunner of a game. And now it appears rather neck and neck at four and four. Um, Corbin, is there any surprises in there for you? I mean, can you be surprised in, you know, single game outcomes, you know, in the playoffs even? I can't say I'm surprised by anything. Intrigued? Sure. Interesting outcome? Sure. I'm not surprised. Well, and then, you know, that's the that's the tough part about, you know, small sample size, single game shit, because like you said, you know, it doesn't how much you're going to really get out of that. You know, it, it's 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 baseball. You don't. You don't use single game results for much in baseball, but I mean, well, now, yeah, but, it, you know, it, it, right. And, you know, this is kind of the one time you actually do. Um I will say I am because this is this is the an interesting matchup based on how Corwin and I have talked about the Red Sox and the Rays all season, which is boy, the Rays do sure do pitch well, but oh, golly, they don't really hit super great um, across the board anyway. And for the Red Sox, it's been more of, um, oh, wow, look at them hit. Holy shit. Can they hit? Uh, oh, boy, do they not pitch super well? Hmm. And. In game one, I think that proved pretty well effective. The Red Sox got shut out, which would speak you know highly of Rays pitching. And the Rays scored five runs, which is a, de- a solid number of runs. Um, nothing, nothing insane, but solid. And then game two flipped the script and the, the, the Rays just got shelled. And the Red Sox pitching staff actually performed rather well. Um, and seeing them neck and neck here, this has been, a, I'll put it this way, this has been a much closer series again i know it's a five game set in fucking october but it's been a much closer series than i was expecting and especially in terms of how these uh these three games have actually progressed so far um yeah i i'm trying to think if i'm really surprised by anyone in particular i i can't say i am i mean i don't want to has been great i don't want to say i'm surprised that Randy Rosarena is the best playoff player in, in baseball history, but 
he's in a small sample size of like what 22 games he's he's really good he's really what good. did you think of that's something we got what, what do you think of the uh the straight steal of home he had in game two or was that game How one do you t- oh, uh, i don't remember let's call it game one because i think that makes more sense sure um I mean, how do you time it any better than that? I mean, that's just a guy with a high baseball IQ taking advantage of a pitcher who's not really aware of the situation, and he's really fucking good. As a left-handed pitcher with how? a speedster on third base, how do you not, with a shift on, so the third baseman isn't really covering the bag very closely, mm-hmm. how do you not even glance behind you? Why would you want, why would you need to, you know? He's fine. He knows what he's doing. He's back there. Yeah. Cuz you got to think with the it's shift. Just a game today, right? With a shift and a right-handed pitcher, which means that the pitcher is, you know, is eye natural eyesight standing on the mound is at third base. With the shift on, you'll see some pretty monumental leads from batters on third base, in part because why not? There's no one holding them. And another part to try to, you know, get a, a bulk out of the pitcher to, to do some type of deke move down the line and knowing as a pitcher that there's a shift on, and that's likely the case behind you anyway, that there's just some guy halfway down the line as it fucking is. And for you to not even look, maybe it's just such a rare occurrence. No one thinks you're actually going to do it. The attempted straight steal of home, but like procedurally, it feels like something you should still be checking. You know what I mean? Like, like there should be a routine. I mean, when, especially when there's no reason not to, what's the downside of just peeking over? Yeah. And I'm, I mean, like, not even like, even if you don't even assume he's going to steal, even just go like, all right, I'm, uh, I forget which pitcher actually let this guy run. He looks like someone that they just like kind of plucked off of Lansdowne street. And then like, put into a Red Sox uniform and was like, hey, you guy in the stands, you're pitching today. And he was like, oh, me? Thanks. Um, I forget who he is, but he looks exactly like that. Because uh, if I'm him and I'm standing on the mound, I would imagine pitchers have a routine of things that they think. And I would imagine that mm-hmm. that routine of things, or at least who I am as a person, would be something along the lines of like, all right, stand on this part of the bag. Do I have runner on first? No, runner on second? No, runner on third? Yep. I look. Yep. Still there. Whether I'm doing anything about it or not, like literally just like thinking to myself, is there anybody on base? Got to run around third. All right. And then, you know, whatever you got to do, make sure you got my grip right. Here comes the pitch, whatever. Who gives a shit? Like, I'd imagine that some one of the, the, the series of thoughts that this person has is, is there a runner on base? Where are they? Mm-hmm. Let's take a look. <laughs> and uh, I guess he just didn't. I don't know. But. It's something where, like, I now spend more time golfing than doing anything else in my free time. And if I'm standing over the ball and I'm setting up and there's just, like, I forget to put my glove on. I, you know, I don't set up my alignment. Like, there's one, like, little thing I don't do, something I miss, something I just forget. That entire swing could be awful and it could just blow it up and it could just awful swing. It's golf. If you play golf, you understand. To some extent, I could see why 
he is so focused on delivering a good ball because of the pressure of the situation. He's not focused on anything else outside of that. But it's not like this isn't something that you would have to focus on and be aware of any time you're on the mound. There's no reason not to. And it's it's one of those things where it's like, it's like putting your glove on. It doesn't take anything away from the swing itself. It doesn't, you know, it's just something you have to remember to do. It's right there. If you forget it and you fuck it up, there's no excuse for it. Just turn and look. Just keep them in check. You don't have to like throw back there and make the third baseman run back over and cause an error. It's like, no, just take a look. I wonder. So stealing home has to be the most obvious example of run generation from stealing bases, right? Because you are literally mm-hmm. getting a run from doing it. There's mm-hmm. no, I mean, it's, it's, I'm, I'm being a little overly simplistic. Like if you succeed, you have literally created a run. Whereas if you succeed stealing second from first, you are increasing the probability of scoring a run, but you haven't literally scored a run because you've only taken second base. Whereas we, again, if you steal home, you have literally scored a run. Uh, speaking of Randy Rosarena and speaking of how this game is now tied, it is because of a clutch uh, double by Randy Rosarena with runners on first and third to tie the game. Randy Rosarena. He is he is good, but he is uh, very, very fucking good <laughs> in the playoffs for some reason. Um, yeah. And somehow he's going to win a rookie of the year in his second season because baseball and hockey and stuff like that is weird. Yeah, I was going to say, because the same thing happened to Matt Murray, right? That was the Matt Murray thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, back when Pittsburgh hockey was different. <laughs> One rookie of the year after winning two Stanley Cups. I know. God, what a fucking ludicrous stat. What a fucking postseason run. I hate it because of, you know, who he, what team he plays for. But goddamn, do you have to respect it? I hate it because it made us think he was going to be a really good goalie for the rest of his career. And we let Marc-Andre Fleury go and kept him. That makes me sad. Fleury's killing it. He'll he'll never die. Murray's not. <laughs> Yeah. Actually, I need to look up his stats for what he's done after. But he's in Ottawa now. You can who is? Murray? Matt Murray. I didn't realize who was in Ottawa. I really haven't been paying attention. Oh well. Um it makes you wonder that obviously it didn't matter. I mean, in air quotes, matter for that game because the Rays won what I say five to nothing. So the addition of one singular run doesn't really mean much. I, I guess it, we can make a um, series of events, you know, type of arguments where the chain reaction style arguments about what means what or whatever it does. It, regardless one run at the end of five doesn't of uh, one run in a five run lead, I guess doesn't, isn't the world over an influence, but it makes you wonder how much teams value those late or, or late base, farther base steals? Because if you have mm-hmm. a player with the ability to steal home speed wise and 
um, read the pitcher wise. Uh, uh, I'm not quite sure analytically, like like their ability to process motion or time shit out, however you want, whatever word you want to use to like really describe that. Um, obviously, that has a tremendous amount of value. Not that it's easy to steal home. It's very fucking hard to steal home. But without people stealing all the other bases with any frequency, would you ever actually steal home? Like, if, like I guess what I'm trying to say I is if you prevent, I ever actually, sorry, go ahead. If you prevent, if you tell your players, stop trying to steal second, because if you don't do it at an 80% clip, we don't think it's worth mm-hmm. it. And so you have players who are fast enough to steal second enough times for them to get good at it and smart enough for them to steal second enough times for them to get good at it. Well, then eventually they'll probably get better at stealing third because they'll understand the pacing and uh, how their own speed works and what the catcher's doing, blah, blah, blah. And then if they get good enough at stealing third, maybe they can start stealing home. Obviously the frequency would diminish as you progressed around the bases, but I'm wondering if preventing people from stealing second more frequently, the way that they used to in the seventies, eighties and certain nineties, the nineties, is really hamstringing their ability to steal later bases where the maybe 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 the risk reward would be a little bit in more in favor of the reward if people were actually doing it with enough frequency to get good at it. But you also have to think, okay, stealing home from third base is by definition, like we said, the closest relation to runs added. But at the same time, you know, if you're on first, someone has to hit, you know, a long double, a triple, you know, has to hit a, a really good ball just to get you anywhere close to scoring. From second, obviously, you know, scoring position, it's easier, things like that. But when you're on third, anything other than a soft slapper to third base is going to bring the runner in. Yeah, there's situations where going for a steal of home would make sense. And obviously, like we saw opportunities arise where you can take advantage of some certain scenario. But at the same time, the risk is also, it's not nearly as, you know, one-to-one as I think we're saying. I think there's a lot more room for like, well, we don't need a, a really good hit to score run here. We have a guy on third base. He's right there. He's even got a lead. You don't need anything more than something past the infield, something, you know, away from third base and you're good to go. I I think that makes sense over the course of a 162 game season, because I guess the other because the other point I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, to make with it is you're going to have to play and every team does play mm-hmm. small series games different than a season. Because over the course of 162 games per person, that's you know 650 plate appearances, 200 innings, whatever, things will shake out the way that statistically speaking they are likely to shake out because you have enough of a sample size. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the playoffs, that's not necessarily the case. Like if you have a 10% chance of stealing home, and that might be super high. I have no idea. I have mm-hmm. not looked, and quite honestly, I have no interest in finding out. Um, that might be all well and good so that you don't do that during the regular season. Cause you know, you have a 90% chance of making an out and you'd rather have the higher probability of scoring a run. But if it's a game, one of the series, whatever, it's a five game set. Um, 
you are desperate for a run. It's the seventh inning. You've already, you're, you got a pinch runner in cause you're, uh, starting third baseman kind of blows. So you, you put in your speedster. He's on third. You've got a shit bat up there. you got a lefty pitcher, some shit like that. Well, if the stars are aligning and you've got a guy who could steal home, it would make sense to do so. Obviously, you know, the Rays having a Rosarena do it or him doing it himself, whatever. Um, I kind of forget a lot of the details of it because now we're talking like, what, four days ago? And that might as well be nine years. Who gives a fuck about that? Mm-hmm. Um but it's it's like if you don't allow your players to do the training wheels version of stealing home, are they ever going to get to the point where if you desperately actually need them to or think that it could be advantageous to you um, in, again, a single instant, will they have the ability? You know what I mean? And I think that just comes down to it being a purely, you know, yes, we can say guys should be attempting to steal more, you know, steal home more so that they can build a, you know, better repertoire or better understanding of how to do it. They just get better at performing it. But at the same time, it's, you can't really be that all encompassing with it because there's so many different scenarios and situations where it can come up, things change, so many variables that, it is so risky and the risk reward is such a high margin that you do kind of have to take it case by case. Which I think taking a case by case is exactly what you have to do with the playoffs. As we see, you know, your, your favorite team, if they make the playoffs or whatever team you happen to be watching, they will make pitching changes very, very quickly. They'll make defensive replacements uh, earlier if they have leads to try to close out games more efficiently. You see all types of wacky shit, which is, why I think, you know, having and it for a, a litany of reasons, having more stolen bases, I think would generally be a good thing. Um, but why having players do weird shit or riskier shit during the season might be more beneficial in the long run for single one off instances. But I guess we'll see. Um, well, anyway, that's a long time spent on the Red Sox A series currently not at one a game of peace again you guys if you're listening to this already know how this game tonight goes so you know that includes the game that we have later on tonight starting in about uh, half an hour here for us which is the white Sox astros series or game in which the astros have a sincere chance well not sincere they have a very very good chance of sweeping the series uh they are currently up two to nothing after taking the uh, first game of the series six to one and then taking the second game nine to four after giving up an early lead to the White Sox and then rallying back um, and force to end up taking a lead, shutting down the Sox for the remainder of the game. And they're now able to sweep with um, Garcia. What the fuck is Gar- Luis Garcia against Dylan C Dylan Cease tonight. who has had a wacky season. Um, all right, Corin. Let's talk. Let's talk hypotheticals here. I love hypotheticals. I can be proven wrong with reality, but hypotheticals last forever. That's right. That's right. I'm only hypothetically wrong, not actually wrong. <laughs> um, uh, the Astros win and sweep the White Sox. What does that mean for the White Sox? Say that again. Our hypothetical here is that the Astros win, sweeping the White Sox. What does that mm-hmm. mean for the White Sox? 
Tony La Russa gets fired. Oh God, I wish. But I doubt it. I doubt it. I don't think anything changes. It's tough to get a read on it because they won their division. So mm-hmm. you might, as an owner or GM or whatever, say uh, we can be relatively complacent. Cleveland doesn't seem to be doing so hot. The Twins are probably going to have to tear down. The Royals aren't good enough yet to worry about. And uh, the Tigers are getting better, but they haven't proven they can turn a corner yet. The Gunker mm-hmm. Rare keeps getting older. So maybe you can lie to yourself. But you'd I do probably... You'd probably be pretty reticent to do that because you saw how that worked out for both the Twins and Cleveland, and it worked out really fucking poorly for them. You kind of have to engage in an arms race every offseason just to maintain. Look at the Dodgers. Look what they do to just maintain. Granted, they're maintaining a 100-game pace every year, but still, they keep adding like nobody's fucking business. Um, But, man, to get swept in the playoffs. That's tough. Didn't, That's really tough. Didn't they get swept last season too? I thought only Minnesota got swept. Was that two seasons ago? That was two seasons ago. Cause uh, I don't know. All right, hold on, hold on. We we gotta. I gotta know. Can you show me? All right, let's see. Uh, the White Sox. No, they won one game. Mm. They won one game. Oh, Minnesota also got swept, and Cleveland got swept. Oh my God! So three teams from the AL Central made it, and combined they won a single game, which I'm sure I knew last year and absolutely have forgotten. Oh my God, that's so bad. Actually, really funny. Yeah, it's amazing oh how God. quick Minnesota fell off. Oh yeah, they just went from. The, the I don't know the ceiling to the to the to the basement. I don't know what the right euphemism here would be. Whatever. Right. Okay. Um. It's tough because I am. It's always tough to to talk about like a, a team that pitches well that gets shelled by a team that hits well because it's like I don't think of the White Sox as being a pitching a poor pitching team. They're obviously not like one of the um, best teams in baseball at it, because, you know, when you think of those, you're going to think of your, your Dodgers mm-hmm. and uh, your giants, which again, it's still just hilarious to me. Um, and even this season, like your, your, your Yankees, but they're fine enough at it. You know, they've, they've gotten good seasons out this year out of uh, Carlos Trudon and, uh, Surprisingly, Dylan sees Lance Lynn's been phenomenal, and yet they've gotten, I mean, wrecked. And the bats haven't been especially loud, and you'd really kind of pick that out as being their strong suit, you know, because uh, that's kind of been their thing this these past few years, having mm-hmm. slap hitters like Tim Anderson collecting just a ridiculously high batting average and uh, Jose Abreu hitting homers and, you know, some combinations therein. But uh, their bats have been quiet. They've scored five runs combined between two games. Uh, that's uh, it's not great. So I, I guess they're probably in the pitching market next season. Oh, also, fuck me. I'm wrong. Uh, they finished fifth in team ERA this season. Wow. Yeah, just below the Rays, just above the Yankees. 
3.73. So, no, I'm wrong. They are a very good pitching team, and they're still getting rocked. I mean, listen, Houston's a great hitting team. We all know that. It's not Second like they, best in baseball. Yeah, it's not like they don't have postseason experience and know how to win with or without help in the postseason. Um, and again, it's it's just a handful of games. You know, it's obviously it's something that's magnified because it's the playoffs and because it's the White Sox and they were just dominating BAL for so much of the season. But again, like it's not anything I'm terribly surprised by. Yeah, it's interesting. It's it's crazy to see kind of how things have turned for them so quickly, but I wouldn't go out and say that it's crazy that this is a scenario that we're talking about. No, I, I gotta say, I am still surprised. I mean, obviously this is, they're going up against another very good pitching team in Houston. Uh, they're ranked this past season in team ERA. I just fucking had it up. Um, seventh, just behind the Yankees. So we'll go white Sox at five Yankees at six Astros at seven, just to put that in uh, context. Uh, they are the second best hitting team in all of baseball, as I just said, with a 113 team OPS plus, although the White Sox are fourth, 107. I know that the Astros have more uh, weight behind their name at this point because they have been in the postseason every year for the past like five, six seasons. They won a World Series in that time. They made another World Series. They've been very, very good in the regular season, and the White Sox are still kind of the newcomers and honestly didn't do as well in a weak division as they probably should have. And that obviously contributes a little bit to these stats. Um, you know, playing in the AL central against shitty teams will obviously help your ERA be low and your OPS plus be high, but it still seems as though they could have been a little bit more evenly matched, um, at least on paper than they have been in reality so far. Cause I mean, it is a, uh, I don't know. It, I, again, like, I know you keep saying it, it's a small sample size and you're right. Like you're obviously right, <laughs> but it's still, I don't know. It's just weird to see them not like, I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'd be less surprised if all the games were lost like five to three instead of mm-hmm. uh, four to one and yeah. nine to four or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm going to be surprised if they get swept. Like if you had asked me which AL series would result in a sweep, Rays, yeah. Sox or Astros, Socks, I would probably have picked the Rays to sweep the Red Sox. And mm-hmm. the White Sox at least made it mildly competitive, and they haven't. Uh, yeah, if they do get swept, uh, that's surprising. Because at the end of the day, you know, there's a lot of teams that just don't stand a chance against other teams in certain series. And there's, you know, those teams more often than not find a way to win a game. The White Sox are favored. I think they're a better team. And, you know, Houston is still Houston. Don't get me wrong, but it would be surprising if, if Chicago can even pull one out. Yeah. So, uh, which is just disappointing, too. You know, I love my White Sox. I do like wearing socks that are white. I don't like it's black shame. socks as much. All right, so then I guess let's uh, direct our attention over to the National League in which the um, fucking Dodgers have been facing off against the Giants and the Brewers have been facing off against the Braves, which I think feels it feels like the forgotten series. 
the Brewers Brave series, uh, which is a shame because it, it's been rather competitive. But um, I guess we'll start there, actually, and then work our way over to the Dodgers Giants series at the end. So both series is 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 in the National League are currently knotted at one apiece. Both teams have shown up, shown out. Um, the Brewers took game one of their series against the Braves in a two to one nail biter as uh, Adrian Hauser and Charlie Morton both had really phenomenal outings. And then the second game was uh, Max Fried against Brandon Woodruff in, in which Max Fried pitched a fucking gem and then arguably got pulled early 81 pitches in the sixth. Um, but again, one understands to a certain extent early hooks in the postseason. You want to be aggressive with your bullpen management so that you're not leaving starters out for too long and trying to steal outs. Um, it seems additionally a little bit extra odd because the Atlanta's bullpen is but, uh, but whatever. It worked out as the Braves routed the Brewers 3 nothing. And that's where we sit for tonight, where uh, Freddie Peralta, who has been one of the best pitchers on that staff, is that the whole staff has been aces, goes up mm-hmm. against uh, Brett Anderson, Ian Anderson. Jeez, sorry, Ian. Um, I, have you watched any of the series? I'm curious. I have not. Have you, do you have any impression of how it's been going so far? I have not. Honestly, couldn't tell you how it's been going. So basically everything I just shared with you was like brand new information. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm <laughs> telling you, I did not pay as much attention as I should have. That's okay. Um, it's interesting because I feel like these two teams are very similar in how they have performed this season. Maybe with the Brewers just being slightly like more. Because if, if you were to ask, so the Brewers have been a pitching first team. If we look at their ERA is a team. It's it was three point five over the course of the season, which is third best in all of baseball. Uh, the Braves finished actually just behind the Astros, so I, I suppose that would be ninth in, in baseball with a three point eight eight ERA. So both teams good pitching staff. The Brewers just off the fucking charts with it. And then mm-hmm. if we look at their batting as <laughs> their batting as teams, uh, the Milwaukee Brewers finished. Oh geez, I don't even know where this is. Uh, 39 and 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 23rd in baseball with a 91 team OPS plus. And the um, Atlanta Braves finished just below league average in, uh, I guess, that's 16th place at uh, with a 96 team OPS plus. So approximately five points better than the um, than the Brewers. So both teams really have gotten by on the back of their pitching, uh, both teams playing in relatively weaker divisions. And I mean, it seems as though they've been tight games largely for that reason. Both teams can pitch well and really aren't great hitting even over mm-hmm. the course of a, of a full season. So I, it's interesting that these two teams are facing off against each other because they feel so close. So it feels like whichever one makes it out, I guess will be the, better version of whatever they are, but it really makes you wonder how they're going to fare against teams that do both phases of these very fucking well, like the, I don't know, giants and Dodgers um, who both pitch very fucking well and hit very fucking well. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, it's been an interesting series, but it doesn't inspire hope for how they're going to play in their respective CSs. It's 
I see the Brewers as the team with more longevity in the playoffs, just because if they do have all three of their guys giving lights out performances, like all it took was, you know, Max Free to throw a gem and Brandon Woodruff to throw, you know, one of his Slightly worst Slightly less than a gem, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, all right, there you go. That's a 3-0 ball game right there. And if Woodruff, Burns, and Peralta can all throw really great games in a series against, you know, the Dodgers, they can squeeze some some games out there. They can squeeze some games against the Giants. But I'm not going to favor them against either one of those teams. Neither of these teams I'm going to favor against the Giants or the Dodgers. And again, it's the playoffs. Literally anything can happen. But um, that's kind of why I haven't really cared about this series because I don't really care about any of these teams in the playoffs. It's it's so tough because like the Brewers are essentially built how the Mets win games when Degrom's on the mound, which is oh god, oh god, oh god, please score at least one fucking run, oh god, oh god, oh god, um, <laughs> because like literally the Brewers won a game on their first playoff game, scoring two runs. That's it. That is it. In this series, the Brewers have scored. Oh yeah. Two runs combined, and the Braves have scored four runs combined for this. The entirety of the runs scored in this series is six combined. Both teams, both games, which is less than half of the score that Boston put up just two days ago by themselves. And that's been, and what's crazy about baseball is that's not anything outrageous. No, everyone perfectly well accepts this as being normal. Yeah, no one has once brought up that fact because it's, it's whatever. Yeah, you go like, oh yeah, sure, okay, and then you move on with your day. And granted, the Brewers, I think you're right; they're definitely better longevity wise because they have a, a whole stable full of guys that can really fucking throw. Um, but God, their batting is just. Who would have thunk that Christian Yelich would turn into a fucking pumpkin? Him and Bellinger, since All their season. MVP race seasons, have been just awful. Yeah. Like, Bellinger has been especially bad. Like, truly, truly bad. Um, didn't he have, like, shoulder surgery in the offseason, though? He did have surgery. Did he, he missed a, a decent chunk of the season. coming back from injury as well? I don't remember Yelich's story. I think this was a, a compl- – I don't think he went down for too long with injury this year. Let me look. Um yeah, he played in 117 games this year. That that's basically a full season. Yeah. What was his OPS? Uh, you asked me to guess. Yeah. Uh, I think it's going to start with a six. It's not that bad. Okay. Uh, 750. 736 as a 99 OPS plus. Wow. Oh my god. How many? I'm not even gonna bother like making the question actually. Uh, so Christian Yelich, home runs by season. Uh, we'll start with his last year in Miami, which was 18, which was fine. I mean, he it was a 120 OPS plus season, which was the second best year of his career at that point. Then he goes to Milwaukee, 36 home runs, doubled his previous year's production, led the National League in batting average, slugging percent. OPS, OPS plus, and total bases, one MVP, right? The next year, Mm -hmm. 2019, 44 home runs, 
This time he led baseball, led the National League in batting average on base percent, led all of baseball in slugging, led all of baseball in OPS, led the National League in OPS plus, finished second in MVP voting. That was the year that that Christian that, that um Cody Bellinger beat him. I think I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, then 2019 plays a full season, 58 games because it was a shortened season. Hits 12 home runs, and that's a decent enough drop off. But if you just multiply that out, it's you know something like 30 home runs, so that's fine. Um, 110 OPS plus, huge step back, but obviously taking a big step back from a 180 OPS plus. This feels like it, you can accept that. This year, nine home runs. Nine. He hit fewer home runs this season in double the games than he hit last season just awful i mean his slugging percent at 373 is the lowest in his career by 25 points and after his you know since his first full season it's his lowest by 30 that's outrageous yeah i mean that's he batted 205 last year and he's batting 248 this year after years of 326 and 329 and being close to 300 or at least 280 every other year. His power is just gone. Cause yeah, you're right. His, his batting average gone. went He's up 43 points. His on base went up six points, which isn't like a ton, but it went up. So, you know, obviously he's, he's not um, really missing too much of a step. And, and the, the slugging though, just took a 60 point fucking nosedive. I mean, he's got 30 extra base hits the whole season. He doesn't even have 100 hits. That's outrageous. That's so bad. He has fewer extra base hits this season than he had just doubles in 2018. You combine his doubles, triples, and homers this year, and it's less than just his doubles in 2018. Man, that is just awful. It's a serious fall off, and it's but, it's not injury. You know, I was thinking that in my head. It he's played, he's, he's healthy played enough. So it, yeah. it it it's tough to look at that team and say you know the Brewers can at least rest easy on the back of Christian Yelich. I mean, Willie Adamas is there and still performing very very fucking well, which is uh, wonderful but surprising. Um, the rest of the team has been meh. Avisil Garcia has been had a, a very nice year. Luis Urias has had a nice year. Colton Wong's had a, had a very nice resurgent year for him. But everyone else has been rather middling. Jackie Bradley Jr. on the verge of unplayable, um, being spared only because of his defense. But and so it doesn't like if you're the uh, Giants or Dodgers pitching staff, I don't think you look at the Brewers pitching uh, Brewers batting lineup and, and think to yourself, oh, my God, what the fuck do we do? And that's part of your problem. But regardless, it's been an in- it has been an interesting series, even though it's been, I think, one of the quieter ones, especially because in the National League, there is Giants Dodgers, which has been just everything I think one could ask for out of that series. Um, so the Dodgers ended up uh, losing the first game. San Fran took the win in a 4 nothing gem from Logan Webb. And let me tell you, folks, if you took a poll of every baseball fan 
that watched 100 games or more last season. Mm -hmm. I guess not last season because last season was the shortened season. So however many games you want to say last season or even the year before. And you ask them, what team does Logan Webb play for? I am willing to bet you most people wouldn't fucking know. Have not a fucking clue. Absolutely no idea. And you know what? They'd be right to do so. Because in 2019, Logan Webb's rookie year, he pitched 40 innings to a 5.22 ERA. And in 2020, he pitched 54 innings to a 5.47 ERA. What's his stats this year, you might ask? 148 innings, which is more than double his previous two innings totals. Uh, well, not no, it's not. But it's about one and a half times. I exaggerated slightly. Um, and his ERA was 3.03. <laughs> Just a stupid, fucking stupid performance. Abs- like insultingly good performance. And this man takes the bump in a, in the in the first time the Giants and Dodgers ever face off in the playoffs and just drags his balls across the field. I mean, <laughs> 7.2 innings pitched, five hits, no walks, no earned runs, 10 strikeouts. That's fucking it. What the fuck? Just an all-timer performance. Anything can happen in baseball. God, just an all. And, like, he went up against Walker fucking Bueller. A name that everybody who, who watches more than 100 games a season knows because he's very, very fucking good. He is a household name. He's the future of the rotation. If, well, he's, the, he's the present, really, yeah. um, of that rotation in L.A., and he lost to Logan Webb. It, anything can happen in baseball. Like, I have not followed Logan Webb at all this season. I don't know what his year numbers are, but it's the name. I, it's a name I have not heard until today or until yesterday, I should say. Or at least I've heard of Logan Webb. I didn't put any weight to it whatsoever i knew he was a guy i probably couldn't name the team and i definitely couldn't name any numbers about how he was doing this year all you need to know is that he played fucking phenomenal for like no reason that's amazing maybe we'll get into it in the offseason um Mm -hmm. so anyway giants took a series lead one to nothing it was a remarkable game logan webb got a ton of praise all rightfully deserved we then go into game two where the giants get rocked in a nine to two route by the Dodgers as uh, Julio Urias takes the win over Kevin Gaussman. Now Gaussman ended up having uh, actually a, a pretty decent game, all things considered um, until he got into the sixth. Uh, by the time the fifth rolled around, the Dodgers were winning two to one. So um, obviously Gaussman's game was going pretty, pretty, pretty. Okay. Um, pretty, 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 okay. pretty good. And funny enough, in the bottom of the sixth, the Giants ended up scoring a run. So if uh, Gaussman had gone out there and just did his thing for just a little bit longer, the game would have been tied to a piece. Mm-hmm. But that's not how life works, not how baseball works. The Giants rung four up on him, um, never looked back, ended up winning the game nine to two. Um, 
Julio Urias having a really solid outing of uh, five innings and those small number of innings totals for our starters at this point in time is not unusual. We see Mm -hmm. a a whole lot during the course of the regular, during the course of the playoffs and uh, man, just what a performance from fucking everybody as uh, the Dodgers just churned through the lineup. And, uh, but at the same time, I think the biggest highlight was non-offensive as Mookie Betts threw a runner going to third out from uh, deep right field. Did you catch a, a, a glimpse of that throw? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. It was a hell of a throw. It was. It was. It was casual as shit. It was bizarrely casual. Like, I'm looking at it, and I'm like, it can't be that good of a throw. He looks like he's barely moving, and then just fucking nails. I think it was Brandon Belt or Brandon Crawford. It's one of those fucking random giant dudes that no one fucking knows. Um, Mm -hmm. And everyone goes, that's a baseball player? And they're like, yeah, I guess. He's there. Um, And then he's really good for some reason. And just nails it, nails it. I I will say, if you manage to find it, I I, uh, found it bizarre where Justin Turner was standing on that play, and it seemed overlooked because of how amazing Mookie Betts' throw was, but Justin Turner's just kind of like in the middle of the base pads. Oh, like, yeah. ah, yeah, I'm, I'm not standing on third for some reason. I don't know why this would have hit me in the stomach, but okay. Um, and that's another funny thing about the game is like you, your team scored nine runs. And the thing most people care about, wow, he threw it 89 miles an hour. Mookie's got, got a cannon, man. I'm surprised he, uh, yeah, wow. It's amazing how, like, I watch that tag and I'm like, oh, there's no way he's safe. There's no way. Or, like, there's no way he's out. He's right there. He's on the bag. And it's like, no, like, that's just how quick it is. Do you see, I'm curious if, if it's if it's just me or not, but do you see what I mean about why is Justin Turner standing there? Like, why isn't he standing on third base? It's not like it's egregious, but like, I don't get why he's not. It's one of those things where I don't know enough about baseball to give my opinion on where he should be standing because I don't know where he should be standing. I would just kind of be standing there. I, I don't know. Like, he's, it looks like he's almost positioned to catch. I'm just going to say it's Brandon Crawford because I don't really give a fuck. Uh, Crawford in a pickle. When that it was, was Wilmer Flores. Oh, okay. So I wasn't even, yeah, I wasn't even in the right syllables. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Again, it's the Giants. The Giants is an amalgamation of dudes you've kind of heard of before, and they won 107 games. And now Chris Bryant. <laughs> it, it, and but, and Chris Bryant. Yeah. Yeah. And like I all the all the advertising marketing, like I've only ever seen Chris Bryant as like the player for the Giants, and it's like. And they got him at the deadline. Yeah. Like, because there's just nobody else as like, it was Mike Yastrzemski as like the face, but like, he's had a, a good, not great year, I think. And I just find it hilarious how it's just like, yeah, we don't have anyone else to market on this team. We have to go Chris Bryant. A funny story I, I saw on Twitter the other day, uh, I guess literally like yesterday, two days ago, um, you know, the uh, reliever for the Giants, Trevor Rogers. Yes. I think one of the Rogers. Well, he has a twin brother who's also a reliever for the twins. 
um, yes. Taylor Rogers. I might have him backwards. Yes. Who cares? Um, so Taylor Rogers, the twin, went to the Giants game apparently the other night and was sitting in his seats, and people kept coming up and asking him why he was sitting in the stands instead of in the dugout. Right. <laughs> Which is fun. He's well, like, uh, well. Hmm. I don't have a good answer for you. But what's so what's funny to me about that is that you know baseball sucks and didn't make the playoffs. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's sad. What's funny to me is that you know your team well enough to know Tyler Rogers, right? Mm -hmm. But you don't know the team well enough to know that he has a twin brother who's also a reliever in the game. I am fairly certain you do have it backwards i think taylor rogers is on the giants i will say i do not respect twins and think they should just morph into one it's like pick a lane guys i think they should both be trade or gets traded to you know the twins and just have them both be twins on the twins for the rest of their careers we talk about what would make baseball more fun and make it more interesting for more people Rob Manfred mandating that those two guys have to play on the twins would be a part of that. What would other versions of that be? So, all right. So all twins in baseball have to play on the twins. Carlos Stanton and Aaron judge have to play for the giants. I was gonna say anyone over like six, five, six, six have to play on the giants. Um, Fucking what, what would, what else? Anybody who's you can't be on the Yankees. If you were born below the Mason Dixon line, that include well, yeah. That ex you can't have any foreign players on the Yankees because they're not Yankees. Um, all angels Padres have to be Christian. All angels have to be Christian. All Padres have to be fathers. You have to be a dad um, to be on the Padres. Uh, um, all Dodgers have to have. Dodge the draft. Have to have outstanding deaths. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, let's see. All royals have to be royalty. Ooh, I like that. I like that. Uh, plus, I'd like to see Meghan Markle throughout the first pitch of the game, and then pitch six more innings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a battle. Let's do it. Come on, Meg. Oh God, uh, Red Sox. They just. They literally just have to wear red socks. Same with the white socks. <laughs> the Cleveland Indians, they cut, they're playing, they're changing their name. That's a weak pool. Um, Astros, all Astros players have to have been in space. <laughs> oh, yeah. So j- just people who are back down from the International Space um, Station. It's like, all right, quick, quick, quick. Come get your oxygen. You're pitching in the sixth. Bartolo Colon cannot play for the athletics. Um. All, oh, all, all Texas Rangers have to be U.S. Marshals or Texas Rangers. All Mets have to be from cities? Uh, Metropolitans? Um, all the Braves players have to be Native American or Brave or Sir Robin from Monty Python. All Phillies would have to Brave be from Philadelphia. The Nationals can't have any foreign players. The Brewers all have to be drunk during the game. Oh, that's a good one. Um, the Cubs all have to be young, like under 25. Right. The Cincinnati Reds 
have to be communists. I don't think I don't. <laughs> I was going to say, like, I really hope that's not like a racial term from where that name came from, but I, I much prefer the communist state. Uh, so it came from the red stockings, or but during during the red scare in the 50s, they changed it to. Um, so it was the red stockings and then they changed it to the reds. And then during the red scare during the 50s, they were like, oh, we don't want people thinking we're a communist baseball team. So they mm-hmm. became the red legs. And then the red scare went away because Joseph McCarthy was a liar and a fraud. <laughs> and then they changed it back to the reds. Uh, all Pittsburgh pirates have to be uh, literal pirates. Literal pirates, ER. Or frequent users of the Pirate Bay. That's fair. Yeah. Hey, I can make a MLB roster now. Yay. Yeah, that was the only thing holding you back. It was. Yeah. Um. Anyway, let's. I guess we'll. So, for the Dodgers Giants series, just to loop this back, so we can actually talk about football for like a hot second. Uh-huh. Obviously. You, you know, with, with all the series, you say, I don't know what to expect because it's small sample sizes. It's baseball. It's not like football where you can talk about how certain people match up. It, it's it's so dependent upon variables that get shaken out over the course of 650 plate appearances, 150 innings, whatever. Mm-hmm. There is no way to predict what's going to happen with, with the Giants and the Dodgers. None at all. None. It is wholly unrealistic to expect literally anything. And that's mm-hmm. what makes because, like, it, you know, obviously, I'm surprised that the White Sox are getting swept by by the Astros a, a little bit, not like overly, a little bit, because I would have thought that they may might have been able to string something together and and, and take a game or so. Um, but I'm not like blown away by the fact that they're getting swept. I I am surprised mm-hmm. a little bit that the Red Sox put up are putting up the fight that they are against the Rays, but I'm not sure. blown away by it. I don't know what my version of that would be for the Dodgers and Giants series. Like I have no, like if, if, if one team got swept over the other, I would be just as blown away as if it went to game five or if every game was one, nine to eight, or if every game was one, one to nothing. Like I have zero expectation for how this series could possibly be going. And so far it's been phenomenal. The only thing that would have surprised me if one team swept, swept the other. Um, especially Giants over Dodgers, uh, just because while the Giants pitching has been very good all season, you know, to be honest, you know, those guys in that rotation aren't the same scary names that Dodgers have. Um, yeah, honestly, I just, I hope it goes to seven games or five Five. games or seven games. Just keep going. <laughs> it gets it gets to five. I'm like, all right, guys, you've been you've been you've been good. We'll behaved well all season. We're gonna give mm-hmm. you two extra games. Yes. Like a pizza party this, in your middle school. We're gonna we're gonna take two games from the division series or the ALCS, ALDS every year. The the next series and put it for this one because people want to watch this series. They don't care about the Braves or the Brewers. We know you'll beat them. Of course. Now, I'm not trying to start anything here, but I am just mm-hmm. saying that the Giants haven't won a game since we found out who the Zodiac Killer was. I'm just saying. Allegedly. Tormented Allegedly. San Francisco. They had a great Allegedly. season. All of a sudden, they find out who the Zodiac Killer is, and San Francisco's like, oh, shit, gotta go. What are they hiding? What did the Giants know? What do they know? 
I have no idea. Has anyone seen Ted Cruz since? I think <laughs> not. He's in the Caribbean. <laughs> Just to drop off his wife and kids. <laughs> God, fuck that guy. <laughs> I fucking hate that guy. Oh, man. Uh, all right. Yeah, it'll be it'll be wild. So again, as if you're listening to this, then you already know how the um, White Sox Astros game is going. The the Dodgers, the Dodgers, Giants, Brewers and Braves, Jesus, um, are all off for the night because, well, I mean, they have no game scheduled. So there you go. The as it stands right now, the Rays and Red Sox have not concluded their game since we started talking. They're currently in the bottom of the 10th. Um, mm. Ghost Runner's gone. That rule is officially dead. So Thank you gotta Christ. you gotta score your runs the real way, the way the Lord intended. When on the seventh day He created the three bases, praise be. Um, and God said three strikes, you're out. <laughs> um, so I guess we'll report back on it in a moment. Well, Corwin Heller, let's talk some some football uh, if you don't mind. Sure. Tell sure. me about your Steelers. I have no idea. What did they win today? Did they lose today? What did they do they today? somehow won today off of a very good game by Chase Claypool and um, Najee Harris. Uh, they suck, though. Uh, they're really just really bad. Defense is great. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, boy, Big Ben is is a tough, tough cookie or a tough pill to swallow at this point. He was who everyone else said he was, and my fandom has blinded me. So what do they do for the rest of the season? Just skate by? Figure out how to run the football and, yeah, skate by on that defense and figure out how to get Big Ben to complete passes down the field. Like, I know we're only four games into the season, five five games into the season. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, do they have a shot at the playoffs, though, with how well the rest of their division has been playing? I know that the Bengals also lost today. I didn't look at the other teams. I was no, busy. Uh, uh, Browns, but, I believe they lost a nail-biter. Um, and I don't think the Ravens have played yet. Uh, yeah, Bengals lost in overtime, which I actually did watch that entire game, and it was absolutely hilarious. The Browns mm-hmm. lost 42 to 47. What the shit? Yeah, quite the game. The the Chargers really came back to 26 points in the fourth. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. What the shit? Oh my god. How do you survive after that? They didn't they have be- a they better patrol either. the bridges in Cleveland. Oh my god. Not a single turnover by the Browns. Get wow. 47 points. Wow. God. Chargers yeah, good. oh my god, the Chargers seven, six, eight, and then the fourth, 26. Oh my god, how do you how do you defensively collapse that bad? They're the Browns. I know they're the Browns, but we're talking five possessions. Really, probably six because it's three touchdowns and two uh field goals out of the match. All right, I'm I'm gonna have to dig into this because I don't I refuse to accept this. Sure. Sure. Not right now, like later, but holy shit. Wow. Wow. 26 in the fourth. My God. I mean, so 30, 41 points happened in the fourth quarter. So no one was playing defense. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. All right. Well, fucking anyway. Three for three on fourth down, too. 
the Chargers. Statistically, that's just so improbable. Both teams had 68 total plays. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Um, my Jets lost today against the Falcons. They fall to 1-4. Uh, I will say, these Jets losses feel different. And I was trying to think about why after they lost. Because luckily they lost early, so I still had the rest of my day. Because mm-hmm. uh, we had the London game, so the game was over by like 12.30. Um, and they really, I might have to double check myself, but it feels like they're not taking a lot of penalties. And so while obviously they're still losing the games and that is what matters the most at the end of the day from gauging team success, if we're talking about making coaching changes and how that affects a team, the idea that the Jets maybe aren't giving up as many, taking as many really bad penalties is probably a good indicator if the talent on the roster isn't there for them to actually be getting a lot of wins. Um. So currently the Jets have taken, all right, so they have taken a decent number of penalties. They are 10th, I guess actually tied for 7th um, in the NFL in terms of penalties taken, 28 penalties. Um, but that's still, honestly, it doesn't feel nearly like as ridiculous as what we had last season. And this number, they might actually be positionally a little bit better because this doesn't count their game today in which they, they didn't do horribly with uh with taking penalties. And I if the Jets have another pretty abysmal season, and I don't know, let's make up a number. Let's say they go four and thirteen. Who cares? Mm-hmm. But Zach Wilson starts doing something. The team doesn't take shitty penalties and you can kind of like brush off the loss instead of it dooming your entire Sunday, that's probably something of a win. Yeah. And honestly, these games have, you know, outside of the one terrible performance by Zach Wilson, where he threw, you know, 16, 17 interceptions, they've been in these games. Like they're putting up numbers. They're doing well. It's not like the hopeless misery that we saw the last couple of seasons with Gase. They're putting up a fight. Yeah, I will say that is one of the other clear things um, about this is that they um, they have lost only two games so far by more than one score. They lost week one by less than one score. They lost this week by only one score, and they won once, which was a shock to everybody involved. Um mm-hmm. And if they keep up that pace, that is a fuck ton better than last year. I'll tell you that. How many how many penalties do you think uh, the team with the most penalties took last season? Ooh. Um, I, I don't even know how to come up with a number for that. So we're a quarter of the way through the season. Well, again, this is only for four weeks. I know we're at, we, we just concluded week five, but Pro Football Reference updates the day after. So currently only four weeks. The Eagles have the most. Oh, my God. 45 penalties. Wow. Oh, my God. All right. Uh, so how many do you think the most was last season? Uh. Four, 44, I don't know. 
113, which means that the Eagles are on pace to absolutely annihilate that. The Eagles are on pace for about 150. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's uh, that's not a well-disciplined team. No. And the Eagles have the second most wanna... penalties in the NFL last season. <laughs> just, uh, just on a small tangent, uh, do you know how many false starts Penn State had on Saturday? Uh, no, I did see that they lost a nail biter. I didn't see any of the game though. No, I don't know how many. Uh, they had eight, eight false starts. That's a lot. All, all in the second half. Oh no! Uh, very much, mostly in the second half. I, I can't say all. I, I don't know for certain. Uh, but yeah, Sean Clifford got hurt at the end of the like first quarter. Early, early on in the game, they were up seventeen three, and I think the backup QB came in. And put up like twenty-two yards passing the rest of the game. That's, I gotta look up the stats. That's less than ideal. Yeah, Penn State didn't allow. They allowed one touchdown the rest of the game with a team that basically had the ball the entire time. Um, seven for twenty-one, thirty-four yards, two interceptions. Jesus, that's awful. Yeah. Yeah, so that was that. That was a fun game. Looping back real real quick into um, gauge and coaching performances. Because I was trying to think. Obviously, the easy way is to go by final score. And we know from being longtime sports fans and mildly analytical people that scores are not the best way to determine team proficiency. Mm-hmm. Um it's been the case forever that you look for other ways to determine how well the team should have done for baseball. There's the Pythagorean record, which is based off of your run differential. Um, and there's, you keep track of point differential in football and the same thing NFL for, has that. yeah, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure that they did too. And the same, the same thing for hockey, like, and the reason those exist is because it straight up wins and losses in terms of gauging, not just individual team performance, um, as, which obviously it is the major indicator for if you make the playoffs, if you are happy week to week watching your football team or whatever. Um, but if we're talking about progressive successes and like the games within the game matters, it's not perfect. And I bring that up again, because if you look at the Jets, like I feel better with Robert Sala right now, even though we mm-hmm. still haven't had too much on-field success and I feel better with Zach Wilson right now than I did in the beginning goings of Sam Darnold's tenure here even though he has been a turnover machine and I'm not really sure as to why yet anyway so I'm going to be interested in trying to figure that out as I watch more of these games Mm -hmm. I think Salah has shown nothing but positive things throughout the season and there's no signs pointing to him not being the right guy for this job. I do want him. I do want to see him be bolder. That's my only, my only thing. Like today he kicked a field goal with the jets down 10 with uh, I think like some like 30 seconds left to go in the game. Mm-hmm. And look, we weren't winning the game. We're down by two possessions and there's fewer than a minute left, less than a minute left in the game. So for me, I would rather you be like, hey, 
I don't remember when they got the ball. I just remember it with the, they, they kicked the field goal with very little time left. So for me, I'd rather than be like, look, let's go out there, run a two minute drill. Let's score this touchdown. And even if we think about it strategically, it would make more sense to go for the touchdown now. Cause if it, for some godforsaken reason, you were actually able to get the onside kick, well then you don't have to go very far to get into field goal range, or at least hail Mary field goal range. So you think it would, you know, like game theory wise, make more sense as well. Uh, but they opted to kick the field goal, which felt like uh, I want to keep this point differential small because I might have a reason to do so for keep my job or hitting an incentive or whatever. Um, and I would rather, and there's a bunch of like little smaller decisions in the game there like that. And I think my only thing, especially with a team that is trying to improve is that you stress test them a little bit more, but I guess that comes with time. Yeah. I, again, I think it's also a lot of trust. You know, if you trust your, Trusting your offense, you trust in your defense, you can put them into tougher situations and and you're not going to take the, the safe approach. Or you don't have to. I can't say you would choose to do so. That's still up to Salah. Right. And I, that's why I am glad. Like, I'm so totally fine with Zach Wilson throwing the number of interceptions he's thrown this year so far because I remember distinctly um, how much – Gase and company would run the ball when uh, Darnold would have had a lot of interceptions in either one game or in a, in a string of games. And it's like, look, he's not going to progress mm-hmm. at all if you don't give him the option, the ability to you know run through progressions in game, make difficult throws, find out the defensive backs. Yes, we'll get there. You might have gotten away with that shit in college. No, no. <laughs> this shit's mm-hmm. getting caught. Um, and adjust from there, but he's never going to catch up to the NFL speed if you don't do that. So I, I'm, I'm totally, totally fine with Zach Wilson throwing like nine interceptions a game, as long as something comes out of that. Hey, guess who has the record for most interceptions in their rookie season? Is it Peyton Manning? Yeah, it's Peyton Manning. I'm not saying if you throw a lot of interceptions in the, you know, your rookie season, you're going to become Peyton Manning, obviously, but at the same time. <laughs> Nathan Peterman furiously taking notes. Right. And, you know, he had a couple games there. No, he didn't. <laughs> Don't lie. <laughs> he had no games of great success. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, yeah. I will say the Jets were encouraging, but uh, I feel and- bad. I have not watched a lot of football this year. Like, because usually uh, I am same. glued in front of the TV for the other teams, and I. I'll be like, I, I the fact that I watched the Packers Bengals game um, really was luck more than anything else. Mm-hmm. It just happened to be there while I was like on my couch. Yeah, I'm just usually golfing. I'm also an adult, so I have to work full time and don't have time to do normal things on weekdays. So now I'm stuck doing everything. Oh, weekdays. dude, those weekday games are not getting much, especially not during baseball season. Like if I'm going to stay up till 11 to 12 o'clock at night uh, to watch a sporting event and it's between regular season Titans Jags or postseason Dodgers Giants, man, that shit is a fucking no brainer. Mm-hmm. I would agree. So. Uh, who do your Steelers got next week? The Seahawks, potentially without Russell Wilson. All right, give me a score prediction. Let's let's do this to keep ourselves engaged with our teams. 
I think if Russell Wilson plays, the Steelers lose. Oh, no, he's not playing. Yeah. He had surgery. I forgot that it's a definitive thing. I'm still thinking of Sean Clifford, who may come back next week. Um, Man, Geno Smith did look good. I'll say That's a hilarious sentence. I know. He really did, though. I'll say the Steelers win uh, 24-20. MVP of your game? Najee Harris. Uh, TJ Watt. TJ Watt. Oh, actually, sorry. The Next week, the Jets are on a bye, so I actually can't even do this. Um, all right, so we'll go. Uh, yourself. Oh, hey, I'll watch the Steelers game then. That'll be sure. that'll be my right, commitment. Predict, give me a score prediction for the Steelers game. All right, so they're playing the Seahawks uh, in Pittsburgh or in Seattle? I don't know the answer to that. All right, hold on. Let me pull it up. I have the NFL app open, um, which is feels like it's the slowest it has ever been in my life um, to the point where it just it just closed. Mm-hmm. Thanks, NFL app, you fucking jackass. All right, let's go to the <laughs> let's go to NFL.com. is in Pittsburgh. All right. Man. Fuck, I the Seahawks have had a weird year so far. Yes, they have. It has not been stellar. They're without their no, bread and butter quarterback, but the Steelers have also been bad. All right, if you're picking the Steelers, I guess I'll just de facto go the other side. So I don't. I'm not strongly convinced either way. I'll say the Seahawks by. I'm going to say this is going to be a slop fest. So I'll pick a score of uh, 17-14. Okay. Uh, I would be hurt, but I wouldn't be surprised. The story of Corbin Heller. Yeah. I'll yeah. be hurt, but not surprised. Uh, all right. So then I guess that's that. You and I are watching that one. We should pick a game every week to watch like this or some shit like that. To force, force ourselves to try to stay slightly on top of the league that we pretend we're supposed to talk about. Oh, yeah. Give me something else now I'm obligated to do. Probably the most prep you've done for the show in years. <laughs> yeah, man. I got other shit to do. Yeah, I know. All right. Well, let's, here, let's wrap it up here. Uh, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at Pod. If you'd like to follow Corbin on Twitter, you can do so at Corbin Heller. If you'd like to follow myself on Twitter, you can do so at Joshua D. Tracy. Uh, if you'd like to send emails to the show, you can do so at numbers at gmail.com. Loved having you. Uh, and until Thursday, y'all have a good one. Bye.